0: Build. Good morning. You never know who's going to come the Sunday after Easter. You look forward to Easter, you know the place is going to be. Thank you for inviting people. It was so fun last Sunday to have so many people join us and to be able to share the gospel with them just a special, special Sunday. Lisa has the the day off. Can you imagine that we gave her this Sunday off after Easter? She actually celebrated her 24th wedding anniversary yesterday. So we thought it was a good thing for her to be able to go and spend some time with Scott. So we are truly blessed. Thank you, Linda and David and Sharon and George for filling in. Did I miss somebody? Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Filling in. Today we move into a new series. And that series has to do with eyesight. Did you get that in the readings? How many of you have been coming here for a while? I have been threatening to preach this sermon for a very, very long time. And today, I'm going to follow through on the threat. I've always wanted to preach a sermon on two words. Jesus saw. Jesus He saw so many things, and things that you picked up, I hope, from that verse. Testing, testing, testing. Is it working now? Okay. I'm going, I think I'm speaking awfully loudly. So a question for you. When we're talking about eyesight, we tend to go and get it checked from time to time. Do we not? When was the last time you had an eye exam? If you're like me, I put it off. It's one of those that I go, well, yeah, I guess I should go. I guess I should go. But I get to a point where it's like, I can't see. I know I need new glasses. Oh, so, doggone, they're so expensive. Oh, I guess I'll go. And I go and then I get the new glasses and I put them on and I. Like, Wow! Wow! I remember the very first pair of glasses I got when I was a senior in high school, and I put them on, and it was the first time I realized that the leaves had veins in them. I am serious. I had no idea, because I was looking out of damaged eyes, and I didn't even know it, and that was a huge revelation to me. In our lives, I think that we have times like that all the time. When we think we're seeing, but we're missing things. Or we're seeing them incorrectly. The worst the vision, when you're in an eye exam, what happens to those letters and numbers? They get a little blurry. Are you like me that sometimes you can't even see that there is a line there? at the bottom of the chart. I always I'm so competitive. I want to read the little one. And the doctor will say, "Don't squint." But but it's terrible. Reading vision. Oh. People, it's so fun when people are approaching their 40s and they're they're just so so sure they don't need reading glasses and the closer they get it's like, "I don't need them. My eyes are fine." We resist being helped to see. And did you know that when you have a hard time seeing things close to you, there's an actual medical name for it? There's a medical name for everything, right? Presbyopia. I am serious. You are presbyopic if you can't see things near to you. You just thought you escaped Presbyterianism. Seeing is Critically important. Would you agree? I, I think it is such a tragedy when people lose their eyesight. It, it I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I did a little research, you know me, and I came up with some quotes. Let's see how many of them you know. But you can fill in the blank with some. Seeing is... We're good. Can't see the forest for the... <sighs> Bet you don't know these. What we see depends mainly on close what we look for what we see depends mainly on what we look for for instance Mount Rainier I think it's out there (laughs) haven't seen it for a couple of days but when you look at Mount Rainier what do you see you see what the elk head okay what do you see saying? Beauty. What do you Somebody else. What do you see? Snow. Snow. What else do you see? You see a, a big white mountain. Danger. 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 Okay, so if you are a geologist, what do you see? Rocks. No, it's a geologist. If you're a volcanologist, no, you don't see Mr. Spock. What do you see? A volcano. If you are a mountain climber, what do you see? If you are a skier, what do you see? If you are living out Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, what do you see? You see that that's where your help comes from because it's about God. Do you see... The magnificence of God's creation. Do you see it? So, the way that we see things depends on what we're looking for. This is a great quote from Mark Twain. The common eye sees only the outside of things and judges by that. But the seeing eye pierces through and reads the heart and soul, finding their capacities which the outside didn't indicate or promise, and which the other kind could not detect. Do we see through just our eyes or through our hearts? What do you think Jesus did? Did he just have eyesight to saw things? He saw through his heart. C.S. Lewis says, "...what you see and hear depends a good deal on where you are standing." It also depends on what sort of person you are. Would you agree? Would you agree? So as we go through these weeks, because we're going to spend several weeks in this, we're going to develop more complete Christ vision, Christ sight, not just eyesight. Years ago, I went on a cruise. It was my first cruise. I haven't been on that many, but my very first cruise— And I cruised from Anchorage, just south of Anchorage, down to Vancouver, B.C. I I know that several of you have taken this cruise, and you go into Glacier Bay. We were blessed with a phenomenally beautiful day. And there's a process that happens to glaciers called calving. Okay, like having a calf, calving. And if you're lucky, if you're blessed... You get to see it happen when you're in Glacier Bay. And so here's this huge cruise ship, and we go up, and all of a sudden, this massive piece of ice just cuts away and falls into the water. I stood on the deck of that ship, and my jaw was just dropped. And I was thinking, oh, God, such magnificence. You are an amazing God. The power—I mean, I was just overcome. Person next to me, I've never met, said, "Hey, which one? A bet? When the ship leaves, they crank up the thing. The ice goes back, and it's ready to drop for the next ship." True story. And I thought, "What's wrong with you?" understand God and that he did this as a gift for you? I was so mad. I didn't say a word. Believe it or not, I didn't say a word. But I I thought, how could people look at things so differently? How could it be? When we talk about vision, there's more than one way. Part of it's your eyesight. But tell me another kind of vision. A spiritual vision, something that you see in a dream something that you see in a trance, something supernatural that happens. John's encounter with Christ in the book of Revelation, probably the most famous one, that includes Jesus, the transfiguration, things that are a vision. That's one type. Vision is also the act or power of imagination. You visualize something. Can you visualize right now walking into the narthex of the church and there's no trash cans on the floor? <laughs> and the roof is sound? <sighs> this morning, my my sunroom window started leaking too. And I thought, everywhere I go, there are trash cans catching drips. <laughs> Can you visualize things. Can you visualize a holiday you're about to take? Can you visualize joy? Can you visualize being with God one day? I love that song, I Can Only Imagine. Visualize. How did Jesus use the power of imagination? He used it through the parables. Right? When he would describe things, he would use it through the parables. He would use it with images. You are the light of the world. I don't think he meant that your head is a light bulb on your shoulders. If you visualize what he meant, what do you see? Do you see radiating joy? I think that's what he meant by that. You are the salt of the earth. Those were images that helped us to visualize what Jesus had in mind. Vision is also unusual discernment or foresight, a person who is a visionary, who can cast vision, helping others to see possibilities. What was Jesus's vision? What was his vision? A reconciled earth? A place where everyone loves one another? A place where priorities are serving and worshiping his heavenly father. That was the vision that he cast. It's like, what would it be like if you bless those who persecute you? You love your enemies. You turn the other cheek. You love the unlovable. You see through my eyes. What is the opposite of being able to see blindness. Love is the blind leading the blind faith. We have a lot of phrases that use blind. I want to share with you a little bit about spiritual blindness, because that's where our eyesight needs to be improved, is a spiritual blindness. You know this hymn? Uh, Amen. Want to sing with me? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Pay attention. Was blind. was he without eyesight? John Newton, was he without eyesight? He was blind, but now he sees. John Newton was a slave trader. He added to the suffering of so many. And one day, he saw what he was doing. And he repented. And in Dead, he saw his Lord Jesus Christ, and he turned his life completely around true repentance. He became a pastor and spread the joy of the gospel. When he could see, he saw it all. He saw Jesus' vision. Do you know who else is easy to think of when you think of someone who was blind and then could see and was a totally different person? Saul? Paul? Those of you who are not into reading the Bible a whole lot understand something. When we talk about Saul, that was the name of the person who we now know as Paul. So don't get those confused. They're the same guy. Saul is the name we use when we refer to him as a Jewish Pharisee. When he becomes a disciple of Christ, his name is Paul. And that's to be able to um, minister to the Gentiles because Paul was a Gentile name. We meet him in the book of Acts at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen is refusing to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. And Chapter 7, verse 58, it says, Then they dragged Stephen out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. First time we hear of him. He is at the stoning of Stephen. Chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul approved of their killing him. Eight. Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. This was our friend Saul, the original persecutor of the church. And he thought he was right. He thought he saw things clearly. That Jesus was blasphemy. He fought for what he thought was right. And yet, he was blind. He had no idea. I want to share with you chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And I'm going to share the entire chapter. So sit back and relax and hear the story. Because it is the most dramatic story that combines spiritual blindness and physical blindness that I know. Listen to these words of the Lord. Meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way—that's the following of Christ— whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul! Saul! Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man from named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias can't see yet either. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. In this passage, we have physical blindness. First he could see, physically. Then he could not see. Then he could see again. We have visions. We have that kind of sight that's happening. And we mainly have spiritual blindness. Saul was absolutely convinced that he could see the right way. Jesus corrected that. Ananias thought he knew the right way. He saw what should be done. Jesus said no. It is so interesting to me that it is described as scales falling from his eyes. Visualize that for a moment. Scales falling from his eyes. That sounds really gross to me. But as I thought about this, I asked myself this question. What are the scales on my eyes that keep me from seeing the things the way Jesus would have me see them? What are the scales that we all have over our eyes? Scars from the past? Fear? Selfish motives? Misplaced love? Remember, love is blind. Other things that hold us back. Other things that cloud our vision. Saul, Paul, became a zealous Christ as he had been against him. My prayer is that we will do the same. As we learn to see, as we learn to truly see, we will be able to help ourselves. Because when we get that real picture, when we get it, how can we not live into it? How can we not? Because if we're not living into it, we still have scales. We still have scales. Are we nearsighted, seeing only our own agendas, looking through lenses, that see things in a way that benefits us, that reflects our priorities? Perhaps we're narcissistic. We see things, we hear things, only the ones that meet our needs to be exactly the way we are. Are we farsighted? Are we looking towards the future and missing the opportunities here and now? What would it be like to see as Jesus saw? What would it be like? Challenge? is always a challenge to help all of us open our hearts enough to let the Spirit come in to convince us to do what Jesus would have us do. That's a challenge, that we work on hearts. We're not going to go in and do LASIKs on your eyes. It wouldn't have an effect. But we do need to work on our hearts. And in the weeks to come, I encourage you to come, to be here, to open yourself to the possibilities. Do you think you see things clearly enough already? You think you do? Some of us do. If I talk to some young people, they would say, "Oh yeah, I see things. I don't need to see it any differently." There's a passage in John that says this. Jesus says to the Pharisees, "If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains." Ooh, ooh, it's not okay blow off the need to develop spiritual eyes. It's not okay. But the good news is, over the next several weeks, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. We're going to help ourselves. Oh, I need a lot of help. In Matthew 13, verses 14 to 15, Jesus quotes Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Jesus' sight is possible only with a heart that is softened to see and hear what He is doing. Do you want healing? You want to bring healing to other people. Join us in the next few weeks as we spend some time improving our vision. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, give us your eyes so that we can see. Help us to open our hearts to soften towards you. Lord, we're so stiff necked. And we can be so hard-hearted. Help us to look at life through soft eyes, through your eyes. Lord, teach us. Teach us. We love you and we want to serve you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the ushers would please come forward.